0: Hello again, everyone. I'm Matt Laughlin. Welcome to Pirates Talk. Well, Seton Hall fans are breathing a bit easier today. After losing three straight, albeit to the top two teams in the Big East Conference, and falling to 9-8 and eight overall, the Pirates have won their last two games, both on the road, including Saturday's wire-to-wire victory over UConn, The hall was led by Sandro Mamukalashvili, who scored 22 points while grabbing seven rebounds, and fellow senior Miles Kale, who added 20 points on seven of 13 shooting from the floor, including three of six from three-point range, plus playing some stellar defense. The Hall is now off until Sunday when they host Marquette at 3 p.m. at Prudential Center. The pause in the schedule gave me the opportunity to speak with head coach Kevin Willard to get his thoughts on where the team is at heading into the final six games of the regular season, Kale's offensive surge, what happened during that losing streak, and hear his arguments about why his team is better than some believe. Kevin Willer, thank you very much for giving me some of your time. In a week off for Seton Hall, a bye week it's been called, what do you do in this week as you come off of two wins that got you back on the right track?
1: Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing is, you know, giving the guys some time off. Uh, that, that was really the most important thing I wanted them uh, to kind of recharge mentally just for the fact that, you know, we've played as many games as anybody in college basketball and uh, haven't been shut down, luckily, and and just uh, just wanted to get them some time off to rest their bodies, but more importantly, kind of get recharged mentally.
0: How important is it to find that balance between being sharp on the court and having a mental break, particularly with what the world is going through these days?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it, it's a it's a tough balance, but I think it's an important balance. I mean, you know, these guys, you know, they have to get tested every day. Uh, they're not able to have the kind of the normal college year, you know, from you know enjoying going out with friends or seeing people or seeing their family at games. Uh, you know, they've they've been challenged mentally, and so I think, you know, as we've gone through this, we've kind of realized as a staff and as you know my medical staff has kind of realized that you know we really got to make sure that uh, mentally that they're they're you know, they're there and they're charged and that they they have everything kind of going in the right direction because it's it is a challenge every day.
0: What do you do during this time
1: uh yeah. i I took a day off to be honest with you i, I you know I told me i staff think you have you, earned
0: one. Off. you've earned one or two
1: <laughs> every once in a while I think so uh no it, you know it's kind of the same thing China just kind of going through uh I use bye weeks to kind of go through our offensive charts um to kind of see what plays are working what plays aren't working um to kind of see what what's coming up if we need to add something for the you know the the home stretch so really kind of just doing my homework on us instead of trying to prepare for another team.
0: You're too young to be called a basketball lifer, but you are a basketball junkie. There's no question about it. I think it was last year after a game. I'm trying to recall it was last year or the year before. You said that maybe a night or two before that game, you watched Sacramento run an inbounds play, and you kind of put it into the Seton Hall arsenal, and it turned out to be successful. So are you watching some NBA now too? What What are you seeing about their game that you might – be able to implement on, on your end.
1: Yeah, you, you know, it's it's been kind of funny this year. Um I haven't watched as much NBA as I usually do. Um I just think because of the our schedule's been so condensed uh and we've had so many games played in a shorter period of time. Um I have actually though, I, I've stolen quite a few things from the college game. Uh you know I do I do really enjoy it. I think the kids this year, without fans are playing as hard as I've ever seen them, I've, just been, I've been in awe of how hard uh, everyone's been playing. So I've been really stealing a lot of things from uh, other conferences and other teams.
0: Back to Seton Hall, you mentioned you've played so many games, and when you look around the country, you're certainly among the tops in that aspect. So when people are looking at Seton Hall and they see a record that they go, hmm, where is Seton Hall in terms of NCAA and things like that? What what's your response when you talk about your strength of schedule, which is very high? I think I looked it up this morning; it's seventeenth, uh, best in the Big East, and the fact that you've played so many games. How does that all factor into your arguments about how good this team is?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think that that's a great question, and what I what I've told everybody is, you know. Uh, our first four games of the year, I, I you kind of got to throw out just because we were. That was the first time we actually had come off a lockdown. You know, we had we had seven guys test positive on uh, November 9th, I think it was, and so we, you know, you know, obviously New Jersey very strict quarantine rules. Um, you know, my guys were you know really locked down into a dorm room for fourteen days, uh, and when we got out, we kind of, you know, we hadn't played games in so long because you know the NCAA tournament was canceled. And so my guys just really wanted to play games. And, you know, we've played more road games than any other power conference team. Uh, We've won more road games than any other power conference team. Um, You know, and we've challenged ourselves. You know, we went on the road and played, you know, Oregon, Rhode Island, Louisville, Penn State. Um, You know, we went and really challenged ourselves early to kind of get us going to where we are. So uh, I just think our numbers are really, really solid, you know, top to bottom. And you just look at the fact that we've been able to play 19 games, uh, where some teams have only played, you know, 10 to 12. Uh, I just think we've challenged ourselves and we're one of the better teams in the country.
0: Does it bother you that you have to let people know, Hey, we're an NCAA tournament team. We're good. Don't just look at the record, dig a little deeper and the record's fine. Don't get me wrong, but dig a little deeper to how we've gotten to where we're at in the number of games. Does that bother you after the success you've had over the last several years?
1: you know not really cuz I, th- I think everyone's kind of going through that a little bit you know um and i think the selection committee I, you know from what i've heard so far is you know they've really they're taking into everything into consideration you know uh, we've had to play we've had to play four games against conference teams that have come off a of bye week you know and while we're playing our third game in the week you know you, you're going to struggle to win that game and i think you know we've we've really challenged ourselves and i think everyone's kind of going through that a little bit
0: You mentioned the road victories. Why have you been so successful on the road? What's been the key to your success there over the last two, three years?
1: Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's our mentality. Um, You know, we kind of take our our practice mentality on the road. Um, I think we like the challenge of going into, you know, the great thing about the Big East, and even though, uh, you know, we still have some fans at you know Butler and Creighton have fans, which has been great. Um, just taking that toughness mentality of practice and really trying to make sure it travels with us. And I think our kids do a great job of understanding you know how we practice every day really travels well, and you know t- bringing that comp- you know that that combative mindset on the road.
0: Well, it's a Northeast mindset, and it is a Seton Hall blue-collar mindset. There's no question about it. And and your players have, have followed that over the last several years, particularly uh, almost to perfection. What's different this year about playing? You mentioned some of the schools have fans, and it's certainly not capacity. What What's it like going on the road? Sometimes no fans, sometimes just a few fans?
1: Yeah, It's – uh, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I used to love going on the road because, you know – Great thing about the Big East is you play in all major cities for the most part. So, you know, you could always go to find a, take the kids out to a nice restaurant. Or, uh, You know, it, it's totally different this year because you, you, you really you really travel as a bubble. You know, you get on the plane, you only have about 22 people. Um, you get on the bus, you go into your hotel, you stay in your, your ballroom. You know, you have dinner, you have a walkthrough, you watch film all together in a room. And then the kids all go up into their room and, you know, you're really not allowed to go outside your room. Uh, together so it is it's it's a mental challenge because it's you really got to keep your guard up at all times that you know no one's going outside the hotel no one's coming inside the hotel to see your guys Um, but it's it's been a challenge but you know again my my kids have been great they understand uh, the responsibility that they've had um, but at the same time it's taken a little fun out of the road because you can't do anything on the road
0: (laughs) do you find when the games start though that can get blocked out. And by that, I mean, listen, Seton Hall has done terrific at Prudential Center and the fans have come out the last couple of years and they are an important part of it. I use my own experience with the Devils. Yes, I miss the fans and I, I love the interaction, but once the game starts, it's what takes place on that 200-foot ice surface. I'm assuming it's the same for you. It's those 94 feet and that's it. And you kind of block everything out, but maybe not. What What's it like for you?
1: No, absolutely. I, I think, you know, and again – you are seeing it on the professional level and I think on the college level, just watching the intensity of the games. Um, you know it once you know really once you step in into the the arena you've, you've, you're kind of ready for battle. and uh, you know I think every I think every pro team college team has done a good job with their game experience, uh, trying to make it as um, as realistic as possible with fans. So I think that's really helped. and you know, again, I think you know you, you get so focused in on the game. Uh, you obviously you, you you really miss the fans. I mean, uh, everyone says that Don is lying to you, um, but it, at the same time, you know, we're just excited to be playing and uh, you know having a great opportunity to play. So, uh, when that ball goes up, everyone's ready to battle.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I don't want it to be misunderstood that I don't miss the fans or or understand how important they are. It's just that once the game starts, the focus is on the competition. At-
1: Absolutely, yeah. And, and I again I think I think you know at all levels I think the players are just you know they they're very thankful they're very grateful to be playing and and they're taking that and you know they're making sure that they don't waste an opportunity.
0: You've won the last two. It snapped a three-game losing streak. What happened in that three games? What were you able to put your finger on and what did you do in the last two that you didn't do in those previous three. By the way, you played the two top teams in the conference. I get it. It's a difficult slate. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not like you were playing me and four other guys out there, you know, uh, trying to relive past glory.
1: No, I, I think I think that, you know, something that we, you know, because we haven't had a ton of practice time, um, and a lot of our practice time at the beginning of the season was lost because of our of the lockdown. Um, you know, we've kind of where we've been really good the last couple of years in close games, we've kind of struggled a little bit uh, in close games, and I think the the one thing you know, we lost a Nova at the buzzer. Um, we, we were up 15 against Creighton with 10 minutes ago, and um, and again, even at Nova we cut it to four. You know, just our shot selection at times has really has really hurt us. And I think the biggest thing that we've been trying to get through our guys is, you know, if you're up, you know, up eight, only down two. And, you know, sometimes we were taking quick shots in the shot clock. That were really hurting us on the other end, and I think over the last couple games we've really taken care of the ball and really done a good job uh, at managing our shot selection throughout the game. And
0: on Saturday against Connecticut, while it it wasn't necessarily for the full forty, it was a wire to wire win. I thought the defense was outstanding at times. It was it was back to what people expect from Seton Hall. Yes or no?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's you know we we've you know we've we've played really well at times defensively, and then. You know, again, I I think it's been our offense that's really hurt us defensively. And, you know, you could could be a really good defensive team, but if you're not taking care of the ball and you're not taking good shots and you're giving the other team easy opportunities, it doesn't matter how good your half court defense is. And I think uh, over the last really three or four games, you know, we've gotten back to being understanding that our shot selection, um, taking care of the basketball and you know, live, you know, limiting our live ball turnovers has really helped us because we're able to set up our half-court defense.
0: So as you get ready for the game against Marquette on Sunday, how do you feel as you get ready for that game and also the final six of the season? What's, where is Seton Hall in Kevin Willard's mind?
1: Yeah, I, I you know I, I like where we are. We're passing the basketball well. We're playing unselfish basketball. Um, you know, Miles, Kale, and, and Sandro has have been uh, have really led us uh, from seniors. They've really stepped up their leadership. Uh, you know, I think we have a great opportunity. You know, we have obviously a tough schedule coming up. I, you know, Marquette has always been one of our tougher opponents. We've always had battles with them. But I think you know where we are as a team and where we've battled. I really like where we're where we're at, and we just got to kind of continue to kind of chug along and keep trying to get better every day because I think, uh, I think that's something that I've liked the most about this team is that they've continued to try to get better. They've, they said, okay, we, we need to get better shot selection. So they've done it. Um, they've kind of taken what we need to do to get better. And they've really done a good job with that.
0: Sandro Mamokalashvili has been uh, basically a constant. You mentioned the last several games as a senior, he's helped lead the club miles Kale to me at times has been a mystery but the last four games, my goodness, where's the shot coming from? Because he's been outrageous. I think, you know, 55%. I looked up the numbers, 27 for 49. And he's playing the way, you know, I, I thought he might play for this whole season in his senior year. Uh, is, has anything happened or am I misreading the tea leaves a little bit?
1: No, I, I you know, I, I think it's, you know, something, you know. You know, Miles is, you know, hes that one of those, he's got a great personality. He's very, just, he's very mild mannered. He's, you know, he's a very smart young man. He's very, he's a tremendous worker. Um, but, you know, he's not an overly outgoing person. And I think, you know, just it's taken him time to realize, you know, hey, if I'm, if I play aggressive on both ends of the floor, um, I need to be a little bit more aggressive. And, and I think the the great thing, what he's done is, you know, he's really just kind of, kind of understood understood now where to pick his spots. And he's just playing at a really, really good level. And, you know, he just doesn't, for some reason, he doesn't get the credit defensively. I mean, he is our best defender. Um, You know, whenever he's out there, he's he's creating opportunities for his teammates and he's just been, he's just been playing great. It's great to see a senior kind of the light bulb kind of go off and he's just been, he's been phenomenal.
0: Timing is everything of course. And it's a good time for that to happen. Uh, I want to talk about another senior, Uh, Shavar Reynolds, whose role at the start of the year because of uh, Bryce Aiken's uh, roster spot might have been different, but then the injury gives him an even different role. and, And now Bryce is seeing a little more time, although you've got to manage it a little bit because of the injuries. His ability, Shavar's ability to adjust to a lot of minutes, to fewer minutes, to different minutes, to me has been outstanding. What's been the key to him handling that role and why is it so important for Seton Hall?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, you could argue he he's one of our most important players uh, just for the fact that, you know, not only offensively are we asking him to kind of set the table up for everybody, but you know, defensively, you know, this league has from top to bottom, you know, you look at leading scorers, you know, from Gillespie to DJ Carlton, Um, guards are the leading scorers and you know he's really taken upon himself to be the leader on the defensive end you know something that Quincy McKnight was for us last year Uh, I think Shavar has accepted that challenge that you know night in night out he's gonna have to guard one of the best players on the court and I think more than anything uh you know obviously he's playing a ton of minutes for us you know probably you know too many minutes for what I'm asking him to do but you know, he's just accepted the challenge of being our defensive leader, and he's done a phenomenal job. He's just—he's uh, answered the bell every night. He brings it every night, and I think our guys really respect that.
0: Are you going to have to manage Bryce Aikens' minutes the rest of the way? Do you think?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, you know, it's just one of those things that you know his sprained ankle really kind of put him put him behind. Uh, you know, his his kind of his recovery from his knee. You know, he was doing a, he was rehabbing his knee. His knee was looking great. Uh, And then, you you know, he had a sprained ankle where he was out three weeks, where it kind of stopped his progression on rehabbing his knee, because we had to get his ankle back strong. And then he sprained his ankle again, and was out another 10 days. So the ankle injuries, although his ankle is fine now, is kind of just, it's stopped him from progressing with his knee. So, um, you know, I'm always kind of aware of where we are minutes-wise with him, just because, you know, more than anything, his health is most important to me. So... Uh, He's been great. He's a, he's a tremendous young man. Um, And he's, he understands that like, you know, this year hasn't gone perfectly, but at the same time um, he's been a huge help when he's on the floor for us. So, you know, the more I can get him out there, the more we can manage and make sure he's out there healthy, Uh, you know, the better off we are.
0: He brings a different element to the team. Is, is Seton Hall a different team with him versus without him? I don't necessarily mean better or worse, just different and causing opponents problems. Therefore
1: yeah you know and again it's it it's it's almost you know from the standpoint that Shavar is you know our leader on the defensive end, and you know uh works unbelievably hard you know when when Bryce comes in, we have a different tempo on the offensive end uh, it just gives us a it, you know it just gives us a different flow offensively it gives us a different look uh, and as good as Shavar has been, i mean he's been phenomenal i mean you look at his assist turnover ratio, you look at his shooting percentages. Um, but what I'm asking him to do on the defensive end takes a lot out of him. And when Bryce comes in, it just gives us a different flow on the offensive end.
0: A player who's flown a little bit in the media side under the radar is Jared Roden. What has his development been like this year? What, Why is he under the radar? Because he has just become so consistent.
1: Yeah, you know, Jared's one of those guys at the beginning of the year, I just kind of thought he'd be you know he's a guy that can get you 15 and 8 and it's kind of what he's doing right now. Um uh, I think the fact that you know uh if you look at last year and you look at the you know the second half of the season and how he was progressing and then you look at this year uh, you look at how he's progressed um this year I just think it's kind of you know it's it's kind of what our good players have really done from Sanjo as a junior to a senior now Jared as a sophomore to a junior um, just taking up more responsibility. Uh, I think the fact that Sanjo's having such a, a, a fantastic year um, has kind of overshadowed what Jared has done on a nightly basis because Jared comes out and he plays with tremendous emotion, tremendous energy, uh, and he's he's kind of our spark plug. So I think the fact that Sanjo's having such a great year um, is overshadowing the, what Jared has done on a nightly basis.
0: And he's got that little mid-range kind of jumper in, in a world that's gone three or then maybe something quick inside. Seems to me that's been lost in basketball a little bit, but he's got it.
1: He, he does, and he's not afraid to shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you know, he he's a legit 6'6", six, six, almost 6'7 six, now. So um, as much as I hate the pull-up jump shot, you know, it's really a strength for him because he can really get off his feet. And when he, you know, he shoots an old-school jump shot you know, where he really extends up and, uh, you know, he, no one can block it. No one really can challenge it. So it's really a, a strength of ours because of the fact that he's, you know, he's an old school kind of jump shot where, you know, today's guys, a lot of guys are set shots or push shooters. Jared's a real shooter. So um, as much as I hate the, the mid-range jump shot, you know, he's shooting almost 48% on it. So when someone's shooting as higher percentage as he is, you let him shoot it.
0: <laughs> How come you don't like
1: it? It's just percentage-wise, you know, again, you know, sometimes, and that's where, you know, I, I am a little bit old school where I just don't go by statistics, uh, but, you know, statistically speaking, you know, the, the 17 to 15 foot jump shots in college basketball is almost a 28% shot. Um, so you'd rather shoot a, th- you know, if you get, if you shoot a three and it's a, you're shooting 35% as a team, you're going to get one more point for shooting two feet back and then you are shooting two feet in. Um, so it's one reason why the NBA game has gone to either threes or twos, just because of analytics and and statistics where, um, with Jared, I'm kind of old school thinking, sitting there going, well, you know, he's shooting 48% on a a pull-up jumper. I'm not going to stop that from happening. So sometimes you just have to go with what your player does best. And he is, he's got a great pull-up
0: last couple. And, and I'll let you go right now, as you look at the standings, In the Big East, Nova, Creighton, Xavier, Seton Hall, one through four. But there is Xavier through probably no fault of their own. They've only played six games in the conference. How is the league, has has the conference said how they're going to decide seeding? Is it going to be simply on percentage?
1: I don't. I'll be honest, man. I think they have told us. I just don't think I was paying attention. Um, <laughs> I'm being I'm being honest with you. I've been on so many COVID calls, and I, I think they when they they were discussing this. I think I zoned out um, because I'm pretty sure they told us. And um, the way I'm the way I'm thinking about it is, you know, we're playing games, and we just got to try to win as many games as it is. And uh, you know, if Xavier only gets eight games in, and we get 19 games in. You know, we all kind of knew going into the season that there was going to be some imbalance in the schedule. Um, you know, and if, if Xavier doesn't play Nova and Creighton and us, and they they play you know DePaul and Georgetown and Providence and Marquette a bunch of times, um, we all knew going in that we were going to have to be flexible. So the really I I, I should have that answer, and I'm I'm kind of laughing at myself that I don't. Um, but I've just been so focused on making sure that you know, a my guys are healthy, uh, they're safe. Um, they're mentally healthy and then just playing games, you know, just being blessed to play games. So I've just kind of been hyper-focused on playing <laughs> games and making sure my guy, I am going to make a phone call. I just wrote a note to myself, to make a phone call to the league.
0: Well, <laughs> well fa- fa- fair enough. But you know what? Coaches always talk about, Hey, it's just who we're playing next. It's our what's on the schedule so if you start to get caught up in some of those other things that I know you want to know and which is why I asked the question because maybe I should have known as well but the fact of <laughs> the know. matter is it's, I it's, it's I whoever here
1: thinking all my all the fans are gonna be like what the heck is this guy doing he doesn't <laughs> know who <laughs> I'm like I'm just trying to win some games but in the end who
0: cares right it's just next up you got Marquette on Sunday you finish out the regular season when the seating comes out you play who you play and and you know hopefully march on to an NCAA bid that's just that's just the reality of of coaching right
1: yeah I mean it, you know and I and I. I love the Big East tournament. It's, it's my, uh, it's my favorite week of the year. Um, you know, that in the master's week and it's, I just, I just love the Big East tournament. So I, I'm always kind of understanding where we are and, and the standings and, you know, who we're going to play in the Big East tournament. But, um, that's kind of my mindset is, you know, we got six games left. we got six tough opponents. Let's just keep trying to, win each game. And then, you know, once you get to the Big East tournament, you know, it's almost like the Big East tournament rejuvenates me because it's it's just got such a great vibe being in the garden, being in the city. It's just, it's it's unlike anything else.
0: Because of the focus on the here and now, I'm going to hold the question I was going to ask you for a later date, which is about the incoming class and highly regarded. And one of the best classes, maybe the best class in terms of stars, uh, quote-unquote, and uh, that system of commits and who you got and things like that. It's very good, and, and that bodes well for the future, but that's for another show. The last one, though, will be on the recent passing of Tom Konchalski, one of the great people. I I was privileged to meet him just a few times, not often, quite frankly, uh, but he passed away, uh, a man who just had a spirit about him, a way about him, and was an influential figure in high school and and then therefore college basketball do you have a Tom Konchalski story or memory?
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting because, because I played, you know, I played high school basketball and college basketball. Um, I, I remember asking glider, the glider, I said, Tom, I said, you know, I said, what do you think of this kid? I said, you know, do you think he can play? And I think this was when I was at Iona. And I was like, Do you think, you know, A, we can get him at Iona, and B, can he, you know, be a difference maker? And he looked at me and he goes, You know, Kevin, he goes, Because he was such a, it, it, the people that know him, I don't think he had a bad bone in his body. I don't think he ever said anything negative about anybody. But he looked at me, he goes, Well, I can tell you that he's a much better player than you were in high school. And he goes, so that should just tell you right away that he can help your program. <laughs> and so he kind of smiled at me, and he, you know he, had, he just had that gentle way about it. He kind of walked off, and I was remember sitting there thinking, I don't know if if Tom just gave me a compliment or if that's the first time I've ever heard him say something negative. I said, but I said I think he's good enough to play for me. <laughs> and I was so, you know he was just one of those. He's one of those people that you love sitting down with. He was so knowledgeable, and he never really put. You know, he never really had an opinion. He just kind of was like, yeah, you know, I really like this part of his game. I really like that part of his game. I think he can do this. And it was never like, well, I don't think he can play. Or I don't, it was nothing ever negative coming out of his his mouth. So we we definitely lost a great person in, not only in the world of basketball, but I think, you know, obviously this world with the amount of negativity is just lost a great person in general. So, um, you know, it's sad, but at the same time, I think everyone, you know, who got to know him was a little better off.
0: Well, there's no better way to end this program because you're right. We need a lot more positivity. The negativity is just dragging us all down. Uh, And so a little bit more, and maybe the spirit of Tom Kunchalski lives on in that way. Kevin Willard, thank you so much for your time.
1: No, thank you so much. Always good to be with you, Matt.
0: And that will wrap things up for this edition of Pirates Talk. Thanks again to Kevin Willard for his time. And thanks to Pirates Fan 11, who left this five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Always enjoy listening to Pirates Talk. Great interviews every episode, and I'm always excited to see who's coming on next, unquote. Thanks, Pirates Fan 11. I appreciate it. Pirates Talk is available wherever you subscribe to podcasts. I invite you to rate the show, leave a comment. I'd love to hear from you, and if you do drop a note, I'll mention your name on an upcoming show. Special thanks, as always, to Pat Christensen, the sound engineer of the show, and the writer and performer of the Pirates Talk theme and thanks to you for your company. It's very much appreciated. Until next time, I'm Matt Laughlin. Be safe, be well, and let's go Pirates!